Well, hello, friends, and thank you for joining me in our daily reading from God's Holy Word. Today we're reading Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And in this lesson, we hear Jesus teach us the importance of love. Now, before we read, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, grant us ears to hear Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Amen. Well, here we meet a fourth kind of religious inquirer. In our last passage, we met a Pharisee and a Herodian and a Sadducee who wanted to trap Jesus, trip him up, or make him look foolish. This one is a scribe, and scribes cared about law. He heard Jesus answer the others so well, he asks his own question. Of all the things God has told us to do or not do, what's most important? And Jesus says... Love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the most important thing God wants us to do. There is no more succinct summary of all that God wants us to do. We are to love God more than anyone else in the world, and we are to love everyone else like we love ourselves. How should we love God? He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. We are to love God with all of our heart, he says, from the core of who we are. It's not to be a side issue, a tangent, a diversion, a small part of who we are. We're to love God from the center of who we are, from the seat of our desires and emotions and affections and decisions. And that's not all. We are to love God with all of our soul with all of our whole being, with every breath we take, with life itself. That includes our body. He means our whole embodied self. Every instrument, even of our body, is to be employed in loving God. We're to love God with our tongue, lips, eyes, elbows, hands, knees, feet, and even our most private parts. And that's not all. We are to love God with all of our mind. Our love for God should be thoughtful with our thinking and imagination, not just our emotions or affections. And we are to love God vigorously with all of our strength, he says, with maximum effort and energy and vigor. And then he quotes Leviticus 19, 18, that we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. 
So we should never think that loving God means we get to hate our neighbor or that we should ever love another person more than we love God. Now let me ask you a question. Is this how you love God? Really? With all that you are and all that you have from the center of your being, with all your affections and desires and decisions and body parts and passions and your mind and imagination and energy, is there a single one of us who can say, I have loved God this way every minute of every hour of every day of every year of my life? Because you never have an excuse to not love God like this. You don't get to stop when you're tired or start when you feel like it. You aren't supposed to go on vacation from loving him. And the scribe apparently understood this. He he knew that what God wants from us is love, so he agrees with Jesus, and, and that no offering of an Old Testament animal sacrifice for a burnt offering was as important. Perhaps he knew that those Old Testament burnt offerings were themselves an inadequate substitute in the place of the person who hadn't offered themselves completely and wholeheartedly to the Lord out of perfect love for him. Those burnt offerings were God-commanded substitutes for us, but even they were inherently insufficient. And that's, that's what it pictured. The whole burnt offering was completely consumed in the fire on God's altar because the whole animal was offered in the place of the worshiper who hadn't actually perfectly and completely loved God with everything they are. That seems to be why Jesus says to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God because you know this because Jesus knew that there was in fact only one person who has ever loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength and loved his neighbor as himself. And that person is Jesus. By God's grace, we, we may have begun to sincerely and genuinely love God and neighbor, but we have not perfectly nor consistently done so. This is why the Bible says there is no one righteous. No, not one, not among fallen humanity, not apart from the gift of God's righteousness. And so we need a substitute to take our place in being completely dedicated to God by a life of perfect love, as well as being sufficiently judged in our place by God for our life of failure. And Jesus is just the one. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 7, it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, that's Jesus, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests, the old ones, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. So here's the good news, which, if we believe it, means we belong to the kingdom of God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. But look, as long as you think God doesn't care that you don't love God or your neighbor, you'll never enter the kingdom of God because you don't think you need a savior. And as long as you think you're doing a good enough job and better than most, and perhaps God grades on a curve so you're at the head of the class, you'll be far from the kingdom of God because you're too proud to see 
you need a savior. But if you see that you fall short of the glory of God and nothing you do can make up for it, then from that posture say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I say, he will say to you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that's good news. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us our failures to love and have mercy upon us because of Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening in, and I hope you'll join me next time.